They did yesterday, so stop saying they're done. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, for those of you who perhaps are joining us for the first time, we are asking and answering two questions this week together. Question number one, am I a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? We're looking at seven marks, seven characteristics of what the Lord Jesus said were indeed necessary if we want to be a disciple of His. Question number one, am I a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Question number two is this, do I want to, am I committed to making other disciples? Our series is entitled Marked for Life, Marked for Life, and we've begun looking at seven marks or seven characteristics of a committed disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who is a student or a learner of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ who not only learns what he thought, but who lives what he taught. John chapter 8, verse 31, introduces mark number 2, characteristic number 2. And I mentioned to you that for each one of these characteristics, there's a bit of a, a pattern. There's a bit of an if-then scenario. If we do this, then this will be the reality. And here will be the benefit, the reward, the payoff. Uh, that is very much the case for this mark and this characteristic. In John chapter 8, verse uh, 31 and, and 32, the Lord Jesus says this. John chapter 8, uh, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus will say to those Jews who have believed in him, if, here's the infant statement, it begins this way, if you continue, if you continue in my word. Some of your translations will say, if you abide in my word. At Emmaus Bible College, each year we have a theme for the student body. It's usually a, a word or two or three uh, based upon a passage, and we remind the students of that all throughout the year. This year's theme was one word, was one simple word, the word abide. The word abide. What does the word abide mean? What did the Lord Jesus Christ mean when he says here, if you continue, if you stay, if you remain in my word, if you abide in my word, then this will be the case, the result. The word abide is an interesting one. It has uh, uh, behind it uh, the concept of an agricultural term. A lot of trees that are uh, surrounding this beautiful campus uh, conference point center, no doubt. Think about the root system. We had some crazy storms. Maybe you have. And we saw trees in Dubuque, Iowa uprooted, soil and all, unbelievable crazy winds that came through uh, several weeks ago. And we saw several of those trees that looked like that on our way up to camp as well. Being rooted, being someone who stays, continues, remains, abides, is someone who has their roots down deep into the soil of Scripture. It's very Psalm 1-like if you want to take this, uh, the, the occasion to review Psalm chapter 1. The Lord Jesus says this, listen, if you stay, if you remain, if you continue, if you abide in my word, then this will be true of you. Here's the payoff. Here's the result. Here's the war, reward. Here's the benefit. There are three, and we'll look at another passage tonight uh, that, that is very similar to this one as well. If you continue, remain, abide, stay in my word, then you are, number one, truly disciples of mine. We live in, uh, I live and serve in a world of higher education. 
And, and part of higher education is the, uh, the lovely reality of assessment. Assessment. Some of you uh, know of that reality and chuckle and, and cringe when these things are, are mentioned. Uh, the whole idea of assessing uh, and determining how are we doing? Uh, are, we, are we reaching our goals and, and are our outcomes achievable? This exercise, this study, my friends, is really an exercise in spiritual assessment. It's the occasion for us to say, you know what? I, I, I want to examine my own life and ask and answer the question, am I a disciple of the Lord Jesus? Last night we saw that he says we need to love him in a supreme and incomparable way. Three words to summarize mark, summarize mark number one, love Christ best. Here the Lord Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my disciple indeed, know this, you must stay, remain, continue in my word. Mark number two, the long version, is a, a regularity of study and devotion to God's word. And when we as individuals, as we as believers, who also say yes to the invitation to be disciples, when we spend time in God's Word on a regular, consistent basis, the Lord Jesus says, then you will be my disciples indeed. Spurgeon, I think, said it this way, when a believer is cut, they should bleed Bible. They should be bleed Bible. If we stay, remain, continue, rooted, grounded in the truth of God's Word, we will, number one, be disciples indeed. Truly, you'll be disciples. But that's not the only thing. There's two other things he mentions here. And there's all kinds of passages that say the same sort of thing. Here's what God's Word is. Here's what we are to do with God. Uh, here's what we are to do with the Word of God. And when we do that, here's the reward, the payoff, the benefit. Uh, these marks are, are challenging and convicting. But He gives us all that we need in order to live these things out. Here he says, if you stay, remain, continue in my word, you'll truly be my disciples. But that's not all. What's he say next? Threefold payoff here, and we'll see another passage just like this in a moment. Truly, you'll be my disciples. You'll be my disciples indeed. But not only that, you will know what? You'll know the truth. If there was ever a day where truth is necessary to be known, it's today. We're looking at the book of Jude with your high schoolers. Having a good time doing so. We're about five or six verses in so far. And it, it, it brings great warning about the, the reality of the culture that we, we live within. And there's the desperate need for a, a standard. There's a desperate need for a, an absolute. There's a desperate need for a foundation and a truth for us to say we can stand upon. And it's found in the Word. One of the first songs we taught our son, which I, I remember when he was first learning how to talk and sing, he would sing the classic, uh, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. If we stay, if we remain, if we continue, if we abide, if we are rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word, we will be disciples indeed. That's one of the results, the payoffs, the blessing. We're truly His disciples. If we individually have a regular study and devotion to God's Word. But not only that, my friends, we can know the truth. We can know the truth. 
I remember uh, going to a class in high school. Believe it or not, I remember that. Going to a class in high school. And I remember uh, one of my professors, teachers, actually, we called them in high school. And his name was Mr. Rudy, and he taught student government. And he said this, student government class. He said, if anybody can think of any, any aspect of their life that government is not somehow involved in it, you can get an A for the course. A, a, a in the course. And so I love that challenge and opportunity. I didn't get an A in the course, by the way. Uh, at least this way I didn't. Uh, but he, he, he challenged us to think about how much government is involved in every aspect of our life. And we thought it was something really creative and clever that would stump him. And he would say, actually, do you know that this code and this regulation, and this is a reality of uh, Big Brother and has his hands in, involved in our lives in, in every uh, circumstance. Now, I think we could have proven him wrong. Uh, today, I probably could have, but then I wasn't too clever. So I didn't get an A. The Word of God, hear me say this, the Word of God addresses every subject matter and reality of the Christian life, of life, period. It might not say young people, uh, teens who are here tonight, it might not say that you are going to marry, guys, this girl on this particular day in this particular city. It might not be that specific. Ladies, it might not say you're going to marry this particular guy in this particular city on this particular date. It might not be that specific. But in regards to principle, in regards to truth, it addresses it all. It addresses it all. Think of a subject matter that Scripture doesn't address. The Lord Jesus says, listen, if you personally, individually, will stay, remain, continue in my word, you'll be my disciple. Indeed, you really will. You'll know the truth. You'll know the truth. There is such a thing. You'll know the truth. And this truth will do something for you. This truth will, will set you free will set you free. From what? The obvious one is the reality of our enslavement to sin. What a great song we sang uh, about the, the debt that has been paid in full. And because of that, we are, we are free indeed. We sang that. Do you remember just saying that not long ago? We're free indeed. Because of the truth of who Christ is and what He has done. So in regards to salvation, obviously freedom from sin. But, but there's other areas and avenues of life where we need that same sort of freedom. We need to be able to turn to a place and a passage and a promise and say, Aha! This is what God says about this. And as a result, I can have freedom in this area of life as well. And the list goes on and on and on. And we won't go through a list tonight. But freedom is ours and it's found in the truth of God's Word. Not just from sin, but in regards to all the struggle and, and trial and, and uh, difficulty we face in the Christian life. The Word of God addresses it. We can be disciples indeed. We can know the truth and the truth can set us free. If we stay, continue, remain abide, are rooted in the truth of God's Word. On average, how much time would you say you spend in God's Word? I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm not trying to embarrass you. 
But I'm asking you, on average, how much time do you spend? Would it be enough time for us to be qualified as those who stay, remain, continue, dwell, abide, are rooted in the truth of God's Word? Would it be that much? And it's one thing to be under the sound of the Word. That's a great thing. Discipleship happens in that setting. But it's another thing to be in the Word of God on our own as a student of this book. Do we abide? Are we abiding, remaining, continuing, staying rooted in the truth of God's Word? There's a great passage we'll look at for the remainder of our time. It's found in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, the author of Hebrews, I'm sure Dr. McLeod has clarified who that is in his morning sessions, so I will not take the time to do so tonight. There's a bit of debate, don't you know? But the author of Hebrews, whomever that may be, uh, is addressing a, a problem. A problem with these individuals. They had a, 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 a spiritual a disease of sorts. And he says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, Listen, concerning him, concerning him, the one who was made a little lower than the angels for a short period of time, Concerning Him, the one who is the greatest, the Lord Jesus Christ, our High Priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Concerning Him, man, we have so much that we would like to say. Talking to the teens in the book of Jude, Jude says, you know what? I wanted to write to you about our common salvation. That was his desire to write, uh, write about his half-brother, the Lord Jesus, who he now, after his death, burial, and resurrection, has chosen to be a bondservant of. He says, I really want to talk to you about our common salvation, but I can't. The Spirit led him to address another subject matter. And we're looking at, at that in the morning. Here the author of Hebrews is saying, I want to go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, and talk about how great he is, but there's a problem. There is a problem with you folks. The author of Hebrews says, he says this, that you have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. It literally means this. It means heavy in the ears. It's this idea that at, at this point in time, for whatever reason, the attitude of those being addressed is this. I don't want to hear it. I already know it. I've heard it all before. There's nothing really new. There was this attitude that the recipients of this particular book, and, and by way of application, we are to look at our own lives as well, the attitude was this, they were, they were dull of hearing. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to continue, stay, remain, abide, have their roots down into the soil of Scripture. They weren't continuing. Concerning him, he says in verse 11, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Would that phrase describe any of us tonight as we do a little spiritual assessment? Are we at the point and place in our spiritual journey where we are saying, I've heard it all. I know it all. I'm not interested in remaining, staying, continuing, abiding, and, and learning more serious problem. 
concerning him, we, we'd love to explain more, but we have to say, hold up. Because of your condition, the spiritual condition that you are dull of hearing. And then he takes us through this exercise in the next several verses, and he says this important phrase in verse 12, for though by this time, for though by this time, I told you earlier this week, and now is the time, I told you earlier this week, I'm going to ask you what your number is. And I want to encourage you. I love that you all have been talking about those who have impacted your life the most spiritually as we went through that exercise. And, and you talked about how they did that. Here's another talking point for us to consider over lunch and when we have uh, time of interaction together. What's your number? What's your number? How many years have you known the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you know Him as your personal Savior. I shared my number with you the other night. My number was 40. 40 years. Does anybody have theirs just off the tip of their head? Their tongue? I heard it 39. 31. Others? 54. 73. 30. 34. Was that a 51? 61. Praise I would love to hear somebody say six months, if that's your story. That is so cool. Newborn, right? Sometimes I've done this exercise in class, and I've had one of those engineer-like individuals. You can tell who they are. It doesn't take long. And I said, listen, write all these number done, numbers down and add them up. All these years that are represented. Do you know how many hundreds of years are represented by those who are here tonight in regards to how long we have known the Lord Jesus Christ? Hundreds, thousands, I dare say, of years represented here tonight. You know what the author of Hebrews says? By this time, by this time, enough time has gone by for you, those who are dull of hearing at this point in time, he says. Enough time has gone by for you to be teachers. You ought to be teaching the things that you ought to know about the truth of God's Word, because so much time has gone by, except there's this problem. You have not redeemed the time. As the years march by, and you've known the Lord over these years that are, that are quickly marching by, you have not done with those years what you are supposed to do with those years. If you had, you'd be able to teach these things to other folks. Remember, discipleship includes these concepts. Impartation, taking truth that you have learned and imparting it to somebody else. And imitation, living out the truths that you learn. It's both. It's not either or. Forty years. Seventy years. Sixty years. Fifty years. What's your number? The author of Hebrews says, enough time has gone by. For though by this time you ought to be teaching folks this book, these truths. But he said, here's the reality. You need to go back to, you need to go back to kindergarten. You need to go back to the Sunday school program that taught you the elementary uh, principles of the oracles of God. You need to go back to the basics because unfortunately in your dull of hearing condition, 
You have not used the time wisely and have not been growing and spending time in God's Word and, and learning and living. And as a result, you've got to go back. Wouldn't that be a nightmare to literally have to go back to grade school? The desks are so small. <laughs> what a concept the author of Hebrews uh, describes for us. It's crystal clear. And it's convicting. He uses one of my favorite illustrations, friends. That of food. That of food. And he equates, watch this, don't miss this, it's not tricky, but try to follow. He equates food to the station in life that one ought to be. So, for example, baby food is for the babies. I love it. You're with me tonight. Baby food is uh, for the babies. Imagine, tomorrow at 6 o'clock, we gather, and as we gather and as our tables are dismissed, we go up to the serving lines, and there we find warm bottles of milk and little glass jars of Gerber baby food. And some of you are thinking, I love the sweet potatoes. That would be great. The peas, come on. Baby food is for babies. You know what I love, folks? Solid food. I'm a big fan of solid food. Do you have a favorite meal, anyone? Don't need, we don't have the time. I would love for you to just shout it out, but we don't have, mm, we don't have the time. Shrimp A to We don't have the time. Solid food. Solid food is for whom? The mature. The people with teeth. <laughs> or a blender. Come on. Solid food is for the mature. This whole idea is that we would dine on, partake of the good stuff. Solid food is far better. But in order to be dining on solid food, we're supposed to do the right thing as time passes by. Listen to what he says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the, teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not, I love this phrase, oh I love this phrase, listen to it. This is one of the payoffs, the benefits, the rewards of doing what we're supposed to do over time with God's word. When we do what we're supposed to do over time with this book, guess what happens? We become, here's the phrase in the New American Standard, we become accustomed to the word of righteousness. Don't you love that? We become accustomed to the word of righteousness. It conveys this idea that we are at home with this book. We are familiar with this book. We don't have to say, hold up. Let me go check my commentary. Hold up. Let me go call my pastor. Wait a minute. I haven't spent any time in this passage or on this page. The idea that as time marches by, we are spending it wisely and we're rooted, grounded, abiding, continuing, staying in the Word of God 
And as we do so, we get to dine on the good stuff, solid food, and we get to become at home with, accustomed to, familiar with the word of righteousness. Do you have a favorite chair at home? Everybody knows it's yours. It has conformed to your body's shape and weight. It is, it is dad's chair. It is mom's chair. It is your chair. It's where you are most comfortable, at home, familiar with. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. In regards to this book, we're supposed to be familiar with it, at home with it, accustomed to it, used to it, having spent loads and loads and loads of time in it, on our own, under it, in sound churches that teach the Bible. Isn't that a great concept? Attending fine institutions of higher education to be educated and equipped like some that you've heard of and we'll hear more about that we're involved with. And praise the Lord for these institutions. Ways for us to get into the Word of God so we're at home with it. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to, the verse 13, the Word of righteousness, not at home with, familiar with the Word of righteousness. Why? Because he is an infant. I'm not trying to be rude or ugly, but I want you to ask yourselves the question. We need to ask ourselves the question. Is my spiritual condition that of an infant? Even though I've known the Lord for, here's my number. Is our spiritual maturity and diet that of an infant? Because as the years march by, we're really not doing a whole lot with this book. If we do what we're supposed to do with this book, we can dine on the good stuff, solid food. We can be at home with the word of righteousness. Watch what it says in the next verse, verse 14. But solid food, that's the good stuff, by the way. But solid food is for whom? For the mature. The mature have done something over the years. As time marches by, they have been committed to abiding in the word of God. A regular study and devotion to God's Word. And so as a result, it says this, but solid food is for the mature. How did they go about doing this? Who, because of practice, have their senses trained? Who, because of practice, have their senses trained? Doing something over and over and over and over and over and over again causes one to become familiar with it. Some of you are, are my age and some of you are more seasoned. And so you might remember this time of life. There was a guy named uh, Jim McKay. And he was uh, uh, a sports broadcaster for the wide, wide world of sports. Anyone remember that? Jim McKay. Thank you for coming. Very enthusiastic. And he was, he was interviewing this young gymnast from Romania. Her name was and is Nadia. You remember that? Late, late 70s, I think. And Nadia was very calm, cool, and collected and composed. And Jim McKay was ecstatic about the fact that Nadia had just 
nail three perfect tens. Boom, boom, boom. Record setting. And Jim was going bananas. And Nadia was staying. And Jim said to Nadia, Nadia, tell me how you did this. How do you feel? What's going through your mind? And she re replied and said, I did 12 of those in practice earlier today. And the cameras went to a dark and dungy gymnasium in Romania where their coach, now our coach, that's how we do it in the U.S. of A. <laughs> Bella Caroli was teaching these young gymnasts. And you could hear him say, do it again, do it again, do it again. I shared this with you, I'll say it again. My accent's the same for any ethnic group. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is, it's the same. Do it again! By means of repetition, by means of repetition, by means of practice, having their senses trained. If you went and asked the good Dr. McLeod, hey, what's the Greek word here? Or if he had his Greek text with him, and, and, and or a text that is transliterated into the Greek. You know what word it would look like where it says trained? It would look like the word gymnasium. Gymnazo. The place where this practice, 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 training takes place. That, my friends, is what we are supposed to do with this book. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. And when we do, guess what happens? We dine on the good stuff. We're accustomed to the word of righteousness. But look at, look at what it says as we close. This verse. But solid food is for the mature who, by, who because of practice have their senses trained to do what? To, to discern, to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. What did the Lord Jesus say would be ours if we stay, remain, continue, abide in His Word? What would be ours? We would know the, the truth. And we could tell the difference between what is false. How do we do that? Practice, practice, practice. A regular study and devotion to God's Word. Time plus truth multiplied by practice, practice, practice equals spiritual maturity. I'll say it again. Time, but doing the right thing with that time, plus truth multiplied by practice, practice, practice equals spiritual maturity. And when we're spiritually mature, we dine on the good stuff, solid food. We're at home with the word of righteousness. We're able to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. We will then know the truth, and the truth will set us free, and we indeed will be disciples of the Lord Jesus. A few of you knew my grandfather, Russell, and my grandmother, Matilda. They lived with us for years. They moved to Lombard, Illinois, and they had an apartment in Lombard, and my grandfather would pick me up at Pleasant Lane, uh, and I'd go have lunch with my grandparents. And when we moved to Dubuque, Iowa in 1984, they moved with us. And my dad built a, 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 an apartment over the garage uh, where my grandparents lived. And my parents lived there 
for a season before my mom went to be with the Lord. Now my dad lives there. Uh, we call it the palace. Sometimes he calls it the dying quarters. <laughs> yes, some of you know my dad. No doubt. On Friday nights, here's what would happen. Friday nights, the Glock family, we would go over to my grandparents. And Matilda, my grandmother, believe it, she could make a meal. She could cook like no other. And I didn't mind. And so we'd go over on Friday nights and we'd have a great meal that Grandma would make. And then, you know what we did? This is unbelievably exciting. We sat there and we listened to the Bible being read by Alexander Scorpio. For hours. Oh, it seemed like hours. It might have been an hour or two. I wasn't a big fan of that Friday night ritual. <laughs> but I'm thankful for it now. I have on the shelf of a, a bookcase in our bedroom my grandfather's Bible. My grandfather's Bible. Let me tell you something. It's worn out. He was a highlighting guru. And so he would take every color of the rainbow and highlight his Bible. And he would have a legend for the highlighting code. And so gold or yellow represented glory. And red represented redemption. And blue represented miraculous works. And green represented creation. And he wore out scripture. And when he couldn't see it, he continued to listen to it. He would go through this book six, seven, eight times a year. A year. And you know what he would say to me? It's the three-word summary of Mark number two. The three-word summary. He would say this. Johnny, that's not part of the three words. Wait for it. He would say, Johnny, read that book. Read that book. Read that book. He desperately wanted his favorite grandson. Seriously. A blessing. He desperately wanted his favorite, he wanted me, his grandson, to be a man of the book. And he realized that there was no shortcut, there was no pill, there was no ATM that would make that instant. It takes hard work to stay, remain, continue, abide. But when we do, there's all kinds of payoffs. We'll be disciples indeed. We'll know the truth. That truth will set us free. We'll eat the solid food. We'll be at home with the word of righteousness. We'll tell the difference between what is right and wrong. So may we ask and answer this question tonight. Are we committed as individual students to regularly study and be devoted to God's Word. Father, help us, I pray. Help us, I pray, to simply, yet significantly see the importance of being a man of the book, a woman of the book, an individual who spends time regularly and in a devoted form and fashion in your book. Father, help us to read your book, to read that book and to know what will result. We ask these things in Jesus' name.